Welcome to the audio ministry of Grove Park Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina. We pray you will be blessed by today's message. I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to Jeremiah chapter number 33. Last night as I was in the office at home looking at the sermon for today Scarlett came up and she said uh, what are you doing? I said I'm working on the sermon and she said well can I write something? Sure. So I handed her the first sheet and this is what came of it and she said I need to know how to spell violence. That's what I heard violence so I spelled out and she wrote out the word violence she then starts to draw you might can see from here this is what she starts to draw and I said Scarlett that's not violence that's a violet she said that's what I said <laughs> so violence violet and violins, I learned later in the conversation, all sound the same when coming out of Scarlett's mouth. That may explain then a healthy mix of Yankee and Southern dialect together and what comes of it. Jeremiah 33 is our task this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, we need to hear from you. So speak. Speak to our hearts. To the troubled waters of our soul as we go down to the river to pray would be stilled. Father, Give me the words that are needed for those gathered to hear. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you had to pick one of the more depressing books in the Bible to read, I suspect Jeremiah may come at the top of the list. Some prophets seem happy. Some prophets seem joyous at times. Jeremiah is depressed. Jeremiah is a bummer of a prophet. And why wouldn't he be? Really? Why wouldn't he be? For 50 plus years, Jeremiah fulfilled his call to be the voice of God to the people of Judah. And over the course of his 
entire prophetic ministry, nobody changed their mind. No hearts were changed. In fact, society got worse and worse and worse and worse. The people of Judah were bent on their own destruction and no word from the Lord seemed to snap them out of where they were heading. Jeremiah is a prophet of much doom and gloom. He tells the children of Israel they are going to be destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, in chapter 29 of Jeremiah, he tells them that Nebuchadnezzar is going to come. He is going to destroy everything. He is going to raise to the ground Jerusalem. And he is then going to take all the inhabitants of Judah and carry them all the way over to Babylon where they will dwell in captivity for 70 years. 70 years away from home. Those who heard it, I know, thought, I'll never see home again. And how utterly depressing that must have been. But here in the middle of Jeremiah, in chapters 30 through 33, in this book of desolation, we find something that scholars refer to as the book of consolation or the book of comfort. Because here in these three chapters, Jeremiah does something remarkable. He gives hope. He gives them a word of hope, of unfailing hope, that though destruction is going to come, that God will not and has not forgotten Judah. In fact, he tells them that they will return and that God will again establish his covenant through the line of David and that it is going to be eternal. Can you imagine how in the midst of such confusion, with the hoofbeats of the enemy approaching Jerusalem, how in the midst of such despair, this word of hope came to the people of Judah and, and, changed, and caused them to change their outlook. The joy and the hope it must have brought. You know, beloved, as I think about ourselves right now, we find ourselves in similar times. We may not be facing down an enemy approaching our gates as Nebuchadnezzar did, but we live in a time of tremendous upheaval. We live in a society that is ever-evolving and ever-changing and seems to be constantly spinning out of control. We live in a time where... where Confusion abounds. Confusion abounds about things that, that sometimes seem to make sense and sometimes seem to make no sense. And so, in the midst of all these times, in the midst of a time in which there is continuous utterances, I'll say it like that, there are continuous utterances of everyone's thought processes in which opinions and ideas are always floating around as fact, 
in which we constantly are seeking to find out what someone thinks about this and what someone thinks about that and how it should affect how we live and how we work and how we breathe. Have we ever bothered to stop and ask ourselves, well, what does God think? In times like these, do we ever stop and say, God, what do you think about the matter? God, I need to hear from you. I've consulted all of the other sources. I've, I've Googled it. I've, I've gone on uh, the news and watched. Lord, I've, I've thought about it. i talked to everyone at church. I've been on Facebook, and we know that there is never an opinion on Facebook. So where do you turn when you go from there? Jeremiah 33, 3 tells us. God says through his prophet, call to me and I will answer you. Call to me and I will answer you. Call here is in the imperative. We think that we might can call on God from time to time. We think that, that we can talk to him as a moment of last resort. We treat prayer as that. It is never the first uh, line of offense or defense for us it is always the last thing that we consider but when God says here to call to me and it is being in the imperative he is saying I want you to stop everything right now and pay attention to me and I want you to ask me what it is you need you want to know about what I'm doing he doesn't want us beloved to turn here, yonder, and everywhere, he wants us to turn to him. Call to me, and I will answer you. Now, understand something in that. There is implied something that you and I do not do well. Silence. You and I are not very good about silence. At least I'm not. And I confess to you that more often than not, when I preach or teach on prayer, I talk about it from this perspective, that prayer is a conversation with God. But I fear that over all these times of saying that prayer is a conversation with God, that I have enabled people to spend more time talking to God and less time listening to God. You know, there are some people that you call and when you get on the phone with them, you just hang the, have the phone out like this. Because they're going to just run with it. And every now and then you'll bring the phone in and you'll go, uh-huh. And then you'll just do it like this. Beloved, that's how you and I treat prayer. We just start blabbling on to God. And it's not that we're necessarily always saying bad things. I don't think we are. We're telling God what's on our mind. But when we say, okay, God, thanks enough. Bye, see ya. And he's just waiting on the other end going, but I had something to tell you. But you couldn't shut up long enough to listen. Blunt and ugly, beloved. We have to learn to be silent. In the presence of God. We have to learn first to seek Him above everything else. To seek what He wants to say. And as we wait to hear from Him, we need to be silent. 
Habakkuk will put it this way over in chapter 2 of his book. He will say, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. How silent are you with God today? Do you ever just come in and instead of rambling on and on and on about what it is that's going on in your life, you just simply say, God, talk to me. Do you ever go to God and say, God, I'm not getting up until you talk to me. That's another thing, beloved. We got to be okay in the silence if it takes a while. Because sometimes it takes a while. There's a reason why uh, Jacob wrestled with God. It is to teach us a lesson in life that sometimes it's going to be hard and it's going to be almost like brutal combat, but it's going to resolve with us just simply being there silent before God waiting to hear from Him. Call to me. And I will answer you. It doesn't say when, but it does have this promise. He will answer. Now understand that also that that might not mean that we like the answer when it comes. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't go and listen to him. It does not mean that we should not continuously be asking God to speak to us. But there's another reason why I believe we don't do that, beloved. And that is that we think we know everything. We think we have all the answers. How often do you spend your time in prayer telling God what you want Him to do? God, I need you to handle this situation. Now, Lord, the way you're going to handle it is you do this and do this and do this. Lord, I need you to make so-and-so a better person at work. We never think to ask ourselves, God, do I need to be a better person at work? God, do I need to be a better neighbor? Do I need to be a better church member? We say, God, you handle it this way. God says, no, 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 no. Beloved, it's high time that we learn something in life. That we're not as smart as we ought to be. We're not as smart as we think we are. And that playing dumb sometimes helps. I know last week that I told you that playing dumb was a wrong answer to things. But this week, I'm telling you on this particular front, you need to be quiet. And you need to understand your own ignorance. And that is hard. Trust me. I know full well that is hard. But that's what he calls us to. And it's hard for us to do that because we don't like to humble ourselves. One of the things in life I hate the most is to tell my wife, I don't know. Now she would tell you, she's in the booth, I can't see her today, so this is good. Um, she would tell you that I tell her that all the time. I don't know. And she's right. I don't know where we're going to go eat. I don't know where I want to go eat. I don't know necessarily what I want to do about this. I don't know what to do about that. But, but she'll tell you that oftentimes I really do know. 
Because if I say I don't know, that means I'm out of control. And you and I don't like to be out of control. And so we like to manipulate God into thinking and working the way we want Him to work and not act as we are, ignorant, and not be humble before Him, saying, God, I'm under your mighty hand. You do what you need to do with and through me. But when we say, when we say, God, here I am, when we answer His call to prayer and He does respond, what does it say He responds with? And will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Hidden things. The word there in the Hebrew means impregnable. It's the same word used for a fortress that you can't get into. So beloved, understand something. There's a storehouse of wisdom. God has the storehouse. And no matter what we try, we will not get into that storehouse unless He's the one that lets us in. And He lets us in through Him telling us what He wants us to know. So are you asking Him to tell you what He wants you to know and understand something? It probably is going to be something you've never heard before. Did you notice what He says there at the end? I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Inevitably then, beloved, if he's going to tell us things that we have not known, we have to recognize that when he tells us these things, he's going to expect us to do them. And as he expects us to do them, he's going to inevitably expect us to change. He's going to expect us to change how we do them. He's going to expect us to change how we think. He's going to expect us to change how we act, how we talk. He's going to, as He gives us this knowledge, He's going to move us to where He wants us to be and it will be a new place because it will be new things for us. So, beloved, here's the question for you this morning. Do you really want to know what God thinks? Do you really want to know what God thinks about your life? Do you really want to know what God has planned for you, what God has planned for your family, what God has plans for our church, what God has plans for our nation, for our state, for our world? Do we really want to know? Because if we really want to know, then when He tells us, it's going to require us to go in that direction. You know, very often in life, we don't ask about things because we don't want to change how we do things because with that knowledge, we're now on the hook. Think about it this way. This coming Friday, I have to go to the doctor. It is time for my checkup. Inevitably, I know my doctor is going to say a few things. One of the things that my doctor is going to tell me is that I need to lay off the hamburger. Now, I'm going to tell you all something. Hamburger is the best thing God ever made. 
I could eat hamburger meat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Eliza will tell you if she just put something with hamburger in front of me every night to the week, I'd be a happy camper. My iron levels are never going to be low. Is that much red meat healthy? And so I'm going to go on Friday and she's going to say, you need to lay off the red meat. She probably have to wait till she gets the blood work back. See, that's another joy. You don't go get the blood work done before you go to the doctor. You got them call you back later because they can't face you down then. She's going to say, lay off the red meat. She's going to say, if you don't lay off the red meat, this, 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 and this will happen to you. Right? Y'all go to the doctor. You know I'm telling you the truth. Now, if she says, and right now I don't, I don't have a full knowledge of what she's going to say. I just think that she, I know what she's going to say. But she's going to say that. And then I'm on the hook. And if I don't change, what happens? I'm going to die. It might take a little bit. But I'm going to die. Now, I could say, well, I'm going to die anyway. So I might as well eat drink and be merry, right? Or I could say, you know, I really do want to see Scarlett's kids. So, I better get right. I better change. Beloved, if we say, God, tell me what it is that you want me to know and he tells us, and we don't change. Why did he bother telling us? Because let me, under, let, me, let me make one thing clear. Once he speaks, once he tells us, if we don't do it, it's not a matter of choice. It is a matter of sin. Now, we don't like to hear that. But if he tells us to go do something and he gives us that knowledge, then we better go do it. I've said this before, I'll say it again. Mark wanted desperately to be a lawyer. God had another plan. And when Mark asked God what the plan was and God said, you're to go be a preacher, if I didn't say yes... I would have been out of the will of God. So beloved, we need to call on God. We need to sit in silence and our own ignorance and wait for Him to tell us things that we don't know yet. And when He does tell us those things, it should invoke a change in our life so that we will not be out of His will, but that we will be in His perfect, pleasing, and good will. And we will be walking in the steps He calls us to walk in, which means that we will be walking in the provision that He provides for us, which means that we will feel His abundant presence and blessing. Today, God has said to us, here's my number. Call me. And the question is, are we going to call him? 
There's a lot of things Grove Park needs to know right now that I wish I could tell you as your pastor that I know the answers to. And the question is, and the, and the, and the, not the question, the truth is I don't. I wished I did. I assure you, if I knew all the answers, we'd be working toward them right now. But I don't. I don't know where our next staff person is. I don't. I don't know where the next person is that's going to get into that baptistry. I don't. I don't know where some next Sunday school teachers are. I'm looking out and seeing some of you and I have an idea, but I don't know where some Sunday school teachers are. I don't even know how we're going to address some very specific and urgent needs in how we do ministry. I have no clue. But I do know this. God knows. God knows the answer to everything I just asked. And he tells his people gathered here in this building, gathered as they listen this week, watching right now across social media, he tells us, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and hidden things that you do not know. Great things, things that are going to astound us, things that are going to blow our mind. So the question is, are we going to ask for them? Are we going to ask for God to tell us? And are we going to obey Him when He does? Today begins 31 days of prayer at Grove Park. There's booklets out in the vestibule. You got an email. Uh, and when you got your newsletter, you got a list. But there's a nice booklet out there in the vestibule that will guide you through these 31 days of prayer. Beloved, we have to engage in this. We cannot act as if we know everything because we don't. Because what I know compared to what God knows is minuscule. And what God has planned is far ever greater than what I have planned. Far greater. God has a perfect plan. So will we engage? Will you commit this morning to these 31 days? Will you commit to doing what it is that God lays on your heart? Will you commit to saying, God, teach me? I suspect, beloved, no, no, I know. If we do, at the end of this, we'll be a far better people. But we have to make the decision right now. Right now. So, Will you dial God up? Let's pray.
Speak to our hearts, Lord. Cut away our arrogance. Cut away our pride. Cut away our self-aggrandizing knowledge. Because we need to know what you know, God. We need to know how to move and act because we want to be in your pleasing and perfect will. Speak and move us that you may reign in us as King. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please note our schedule has been revised as of April 2021. Please join us on Sunday mornings for worship at 10 o'clock in the sanctuary at 108 Trail 1 in Burlington or on Facebook Live. For more information and resources regarding our church, please visit groveparkchurch.net. And remember, grace abound.